the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and with me today is Greg Hutana, Services Manager at Gorilla Technology. Great to have you on the show again, Greg. Well, lots to talk about. There's so much going on. It's uh, it's nuts, this whole world of technology. I guess, as, as uh, I sometimes like to say, the threads of technology seem to run through everything right now. It's, uh, um, yeah, every, everywhere we look. I was sort of looking at the, the list of potential topics that uh, – that we had this week, and there's probably twice as many as we can uh, possibly uh, hope to cover. And there is a special uh, interview that I did with the uh, CEOs of Vodafone New Zealand and Vocus that we're going to uh, we're going to jump to as well. So that gives us a, a, a little bit less time too for uh, um, for, for chatting through some of these other other things. So uh, that one is in re- relation to this uh, unbundling that we heard about uh, last year from uh, from from those two firms. And of course, since then there's been a bit of uh, a change of the guard at uh, Vodafone New Zealand. So we'll jump in on that. There's certainly a whole lot more that could be said on that on that subject uh, of un- unbundling the uh, the, f- the fiber uh, network and yeah I've, um, but we'll we'll leave that as a sort of standalone piece for uh, for this episode and then possibly in a future episode we'll dive in uh, we'll dive in a little bit more but certainly that chat is by no means sort of all-encompassing of the uh, you know the varying uh, thoughts on uh, on that, but it was uh, it was certainly fun to uh, uh, see a bit of a, a speed test run at uh, some pretty blinding speeds, sort of uh, north of of five uh, gigabits per uh, per second last week for uh, for for that testing. Um, now, uh, fir- first up topic that I'd sort of like to jump into a bit, Greg, is um, e-scooters. Now, you've you've been a bit of a bit of a leader on the e-scooter front, having uh, bought one before Lime launched in New Zealand, uh, and and you started a bit of a trend at Gorilla, and uh, you know a bunch of the team here seem to uh, seem to really enjoy riding them. But uh, they've been hitting the news a bit over the last uh, last few days on uh, uh, multiple fronts. Um, f- first up, one of the teams shared shared with me. Uh, Around the uh, the Xiaomi uh, e scooter um, having been uh, having been hacked, and and then of course um, theirs is as um, you know one of a number that is actually uh, either either made um, by uh, Segway slash uh, Ninebot. Um, the Chinese uh, company, or or you know at least you know uses uses their uh, their technology. So this particular you know security uh, challenge, which um, relates to basically the things being able to you know remotely being set to you know accelerate or or, or break by a remote uh, party. And there was a video online of this uh, you know shared where some you know someone basically uh, managed to uh, dis- you know virtually disable one of the one of these things. Uh, and then hot on the heels of of that was what happened with the lime scooter, uh, in in Auckland, which was someone um you know breaking their jaw after the lime scooter locked up. Now, uh, we we'd already heard you know things from lime saying, oh yeah, there's some issues with with some of the scooters, and you know we're taking them out of the mix. In the meantime, 
there have been a whole you know whole bunch of issues and then in the in the in the US uh, someone who we're told is in a vegetative state now after an accident on a uh, on a lime lime scooter uh, and then adding to that um, T two uh, e-scooter companies sort of lined up to uh, to trial in uh, in Wellington streets now um, you would imagine for Wellington and, and all its hills it's uh, um, yeah, a bit more of a, a challenge for some of these types of things. So, uh, yeah, a bit, bit more, uh, a bit more grunt in terms of uh, you know battery and, and performance might be appropriate to uh, to get up some of those hills. What What are your thoughts, Greg, on um, yeah the accidents that we keep keep hearing about on um, on e scooters in, in New Zealand? I think the opportunity to have one is very real. Um, especially I've been riding my e-scooter for six to nine months so of course you get adjusted to the path you're going to be riding on you kind of know you don't lean heavily on corners you don't ride too fast in the rain all these kind of you know sensible things but of course when I first topped on it and it took off it was quite a shock to me and uh, I saw the quite pictures a bit of power, right? absolutely and yeah. I saw the pictures of the gentleman that got really hurt in Auckland and I'm like that's absolutely a fact if, if I was to come off you know, on the northwestern motorway, there's a bike track there right beside the motor. If I came off there at speed, I'm in trouble. Yeah. So absolutely it can get hurt on these um, devices. But if you're just jumping on them and you're not used to it, you could definitely it, – it's definitely an issue. Uh, whereas if you've been riding it for a while and you're kind of in a common space that you know it's it's quite safe. But what about what about helmets? We were having a, a discussion about this uh, yester- yesterday, uh, and you know we, we we also have the Onzo bikes. Uh, uh, and, you know they're varying uh, bicycle rental companies around New Zealand. Um, less so of the the e bikes so so far, but that that certainly. Um, you know, a model that's been rolling out around the world as well, and uh, you know, part of, part of our uh, the d- discussion I was having with someone about it yesterday was, well, shouldn't everyone have to wear a helmet if you're wearing if you're uh, if you're riding an e-scooter? And you know, we, we sort of both agreed that that you know makes makes a reasonable bit of sense. It's been law for for cyclists for uh, for you know a, a long time in New Zealand. And it was raised that uh, uh, I think the Onzo bikes originally came with helmets. Whatever their mechanism was for keeping the helmets with with the bikes, uh, yeah, didn't work out. Helmets got stolen. There's no longer so helmets with them, and and hence people basically riding these bikes around without helmets. Now I look back to when I was growing up, no one you know uh, really gave any thought to a helmet. In fact, if 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 you were wearing one. Um, there was a level of bullying that would go on of uh, you know why why you were wearing a helmet. It certainly wasn't wasn't cool. But I think we've moved on since that point and realised that the you know the the benefits uh, you know far outweigh the the disadvantages. So um, I don't know how do, how do you feel about <laughs> having having to wear well, the helmet? It was and, interesting. Like I actually changed from an e bike. Um, to the e-scooter because of the fact that I could just stand there, not get, you know, sweaty, not work up a bit of a, a sweat as such, because so that when I arrive to work, I'm still professional. I'm not having to go through a whole re-grooming process. So, in terms of actually using it, it's fantastic. But I do not go on my scooter without a helmet, Paul, and mm. I never ride it on the road. I only ever ride it on the bike path. 
Now, for some people using it, you have to go on the road potentially, but it's not a choice I would make. Well, I saw somebody doing that on uh, on Queen Street, yeah, you know, just yesterday, and it and it looked pretty dangerous. And uh, you know, I haven't lo- haven't looked at all the details of this this um, woman in the US that was, uh, I think, hit by a truck that's ended up in this vegetative state. And I don't know, you know, the the full detail. But as it was relayed to me, uh, she was following the instructions from the app, which said to drive on the street. Which apparently was, you know, in contravention to, uh, you know, what the rules were in the particular state that that she was in. But yeah, there's, there's, I, th- I think there's definitely some uh, some concerns about this stuff. I w- I would, you know, think as a as a technologist, there's um, some sort of solution to the helmet issue. And it, it just seems a little bit like the way Uber's sort of, you know, been very relaxed with regulations and got themselves into trouble all around the world just so that they can gain dominance and be the first, yeah. that we're seeing something similar from uh, e-scooter firms. And in order to get rolling, they, they're they getting away without helmets, uh, without too much concern for what the impact is on on people's safety, yes. and you know, I think that that you know, technologically, you should be able to come up with a way of attach a helmet. You know, a helmet's attached, um, and uh, or, or you know, removed. And then when someone reattaches it to the vehicle, they've got to put the vehicle. You know, they've got to put the e-scooter standing upright. You know, there's a few bits and pieces. That's part of your video that teaches you how to do it. If the helmet's not on there. You're going to get billed fifty bucks for not returning it. Um, yeah, that would take longer to develop because there was not enough the shelf product that was that was easy that was doing that. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm certainly left with a feeling that uh, that that should be addressed before we, uh, you know, go in, go go any further. And uh, look, you know, here at. Uh, Gorilla HQ with those taking uh, scooters out. It's certainly always been f- following uh, you know, the same as you, which is to uh, to wear a helmet. But uh, with the news breaking that uh, the the Xiaomi product can be um, uh, hacked, we've you know made the decision at least in the in the uh, short term and until we get a little bit more detail that uh, it's back to cars and Uber and uh, other other uh, other mechanisms for, uh, for getting around the place. <laughs> because I can't imagine not having that technology in my life now. Like I absolutely love coming to work and going home on the e-scooter. It's nice to be out and about in the, in the fresh air, I isn't detest it? being in the car now. It's like, yeah. why am I in the car? In fact, I'm looking for a new type of scooter that maybe even a bit more powerful can go further so <laughs> that I can crazy, just man. ditch the <laughs> car completely yeah, because yeah. it's just not necessary for my journey yeah. that's not true for everyone different when you're transporting a family and other absolutely. other scenarios but it right, definitely but has it, a place yeah. in, 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 yeah. in the use of that technology in our modern you know environment i think mm, so yeah mm, mm, mm. okay uh now in other news and you know on a local local front um it seems that the government are going to um Start moving forward further on the taxing of uh, international entities who are uh, such as the the Facebooks and Googles of this world, who have a very light presence in in New Zealand from a, 
uh, you know, I guess you could say, of, you know, physical standpoint in terms of head counts and uh, and and people, and in terms of you know what their New Zealand entities uh, look like. Uh, you know, if we look back over the past few, few years, um, the Herald coverage of the sort of highlighted, uh, you know, highlighted number of dates. It was October 2016 uh, was the Netflix uh, tax, which re- you know requires uh, companies to be basically charging GST on on digital services such as eBooks, music, digital, uh, digi- you know, digital uh, downloads and and streaming of videos. That kicked in. Um, July 2018 uh, was the uh, the the law that stopped um, uh, those international entities with a uh, you know, local Kiwi uh, presence from being as as aggressive in terms of their shifting of of um, uh, profits. Around so um, yeah, that that was kind kind of interesting. And then um, you know now we've got this this next announcement, and they're talking about uh, uh, or there's certain suggestions. I don't you know I don't think we've got any, anything uh, at all official at this stage, um, but a, a tax potentially of sort of two to three percentage of the the turnover uh, within New Zealand for. Uh, uh, for these entities, and then later on in the year, uh, we've got uh, the um, the Amazon uh, tax, which is is due to come into play uh, October type time frame to collect uh, GST on those lower value products being uh, bought online in New Zealand coming into effect. So you know that's people. You know you buy a book off Amazon at the moment, you don't get charged uh, GST. You buy something on eBay. Um, or you know a, a bunch of a, a bunch of other sites like AliExpress and so on. Uh, so GST is getting in, in theory added onto uh, all of those. So um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a bit of a change. Is this uh, is this good? Should we be uh, you know getting trying to get a bit more tax out of these international uh, uh, entities who you know operate here but uh, don't contribute much to uh, uh, to government coffers? Well, it was interesting, you know, doing research on this story about National was even in agreement with Labor in this space, which is great because it's better to be in agreement than always, you know, divided on these type of issues, especially when, you know, a government's going to come and go and then the situation remains. So, but, I, you know, I'm a true believer in the, the tax system, I suppose, which might be a bit unusual, but I spent a bit of time in Brazil where tax is not really a part of the world that they live in and you see how... It affects society, you know. It's, in terms of just, corruption. Yeah, and, you just don't you know, have roads so or you don't have the things that yeah. we take for granted. So I'm a great believer in everyone pays their fair share of tax and I'm happy to do to pay mine. And if these people need to be paying these, and that's fantastic. Um, I don't know why they haven't been up till now, but it's, you know, as long as there's fairness in it for them as well as for, you know, you know local Kiwis, the mm. balance is right, then it's all good. Yeah, well, you know, I think that the the world is changing, and a player like Netflix can really dominate, you know, globally, mm. right? And Amazon, uh, you know, will probably you know continue in, in, increasing in what they do, 
AliExpress and, 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 and others too. And that's been one of my concerns. If we, you know, let, let, let's say, and this is a, sort of an extreme to prove the point, but, you know, let's say all our supermarkets in New Zealand that are the, the brands that we have at the moment, which, you know, to, to be fair, they're not necessarily all locally uh, uh, owned, but, uh, you know, let's say those those things shut down and were replaced by Amazon became the supermarket for uh, the the world, and for you know somehow they were able to ship everything in from uh, you know from from overseas. Now I'm not not sure that in reality that would be at all practical, um, but there there are you know some of these things that are that are that are going to be uh, more and more handled by big players, and certainly you look at you know Netflix. I mean they're dominating in the in uh, you know the uh, uh, subscription video uh, space you know in, internationally so we will probably uh, see bigger chunks of our economy being ceded to those sort of firms and if all of their profits just goes back to the US or China wherever they you know they happen to be in the world as long as we don't have any sort of equivalent firms earning big bucks globally uh, then we, we're going to be stuffed as, yeah, a, as a as a country if we're not working out a way to, uh, you know, to, to get a slice of that. Uh, and it's going to depend on how, how they operate as well, right? If they just put their prices up by 3% for, uh, for New Zealand, then, well, that's, that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's not going to, no. uh, that's, that's, that's not really going to work either. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I hope this is, is something that, uh, that helps, but I think, we're probably still, on, you know, only, only part way through uh, the journey and figuring out what is the the tax that really works in a world where we have these truly global uh, entities, often with a very light local presence. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's certainly a, a, a concern uh, for me. That I, you know, I think we can address. We've got to keep at it, and this one's uh, one that's uh, uh, appears to be heading in the right. Direction. Yes, and they're not asking for the world at two and two potentially three percent. I mean, if you and I could get on that wicket, we'd be quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's yeah some big big money being uh, being being turned over by these firms, and uh, you know very little of it, and uh, you know in, in reality com- coming uh, coming back in tax. And you know we've had other companies like you know uh, yeah, Apple being uh, being mentioned and so on as as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I hope this this is, this is something that we uh, we do get get right. I, I imagine it's going to take a little bit of time, though, right? Some of the, some some issues can't be uh, can't necessarily be be solved in uh, in, in, in five minutes. Um, now on to. Uh, on to Huawei, uh, you know, there's been an int- interesting, uh, you know, news coverage around them, and of course, we've, you know, we've 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 been told about Huawei being, uh, uh, you know, blocked from being involved in uh, in, in Spark's potential 5G uh, network, and you know, I've had um, you know bits and pieces of of conversations with. Uh, people in, in varying places are, are around that one. Certainly, when it was announced, it seemed uh, very unlikely that there would be a way that uh, uh, Huawei could uh, or Spark would be able to uh, address the uh, the the GCSB's concerns around Huawei. 
um, but you know, in, in recent days, there's been uh, there's been all sorts of uh, discussion around you know how this is impacting uh, New Zealand or potentially impacting New Zealand's you know relationship with with China. Uh, and and then you know commentary suggesting well the UK have sort of rubber stamped Huawei to be uh, to be part of uh, uh, you know future networks. Now I'm not uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure whether we we're always getting uh, getting you know the full story on on. Uh, on on these things, certainly, uh, what I saw today through from the prime minister was she, you know, she was saying, well, you know, the UK, you know, haven't, uh, yes, they haven't put a ban in place, but they haven't entirely rubber stamped, uh, you know, Huawei delivering uh, the five G networks for the UK. So that's certainly one still to follow. But she's also mentioned that um, you know there there, there is still uh, potentially an opportunity for Huawei to uh, uh, deliver five G in New Zealand. So we will keep following this one with uh, with great. They, they call all this great stuff. Interest. Would they term it as geopolitical, technical related? Because <laughs> it wasn't that long ago we were talking about. Kaspersky and, and the issues they were having to face with That's potential right. allegations yeah, from, yeah. you know, so this is all part of this kind of new phase, I suppose, where, you know, technology is such a massive part of our lives and these companies play such a big part that it just becomes political. Now, this is to the extreme with the rest of the daughter and so on and so forth, but really it's mm. it's starting to become a familiar conversation, you know, in the last few years. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and look, there, there will, you know, yeah. Some, sometimes there are, uh, you know, people with more, more detailed insights, but uh, you know, there's, 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 there's often uh, things that can't be, uh, uh, you know, can't be maybe discussed publicly to the level that we would, uh, that we would like to. So it, it does leave some uh, intrigue around exactly what's going on. Uh, in in these situations, and yeah, it's uh, you know certainly easy to um, uh, to f- for yeah, politics to be uh, uh, to to be blamed, and I just you know I I, I can't uh, you, you yeah you can't exactly determine exactly what the reality is in uh, uh, in, in in each case and uh, and de- decouple these things uh, but you know it's uh, you know it, it's fair to say that there I think there are political things at at play uh, as as well as genuine uh, sec- you know security concerns and these things sort of you know probably probably push on uh, push on uh, each other, you know, from New Zealand's perspective. Now, you know, China is such a key to our economy. Mm. We don't want to do. Uh, we don't want to do too much to uh, uh, to up to upset them. Uh, if they disappeared as our trading par- as a trading partner uh, tomorrow, then now um, you know our, our country would be in a, uh, uh, a far from ideal space. Let's put it that way. Uh, now, m- moving on from uh, from from that one, a story that uh, came through around autonomous trucks sort of you know caught caught my eye, um, and it was uh, to do with. Uh, an autonomous uh, truck accident uh, with uh, an iron ore producer um, 
company uh, Fortescue Metals uh, Group, and uh, they had revealed that one of their huge uh, driverless trucks collided uh, with another uh, one, you know, one, uh, one of their uh, fleet uh, at one of their mines in uh, Western Australia this week. There were uh, apparently uh, no injuries, but it, you know, it left me scratching my head because. Um, you know, if 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 one of these trucks is able to bang into uh, you know a, another truck, you sort of wonder, well, what's going wrong uh, with their collision systems? But I think what we have to remember here is that these autonomous trucks have been uh, you know have been running for quite a number of uh, quite a number of years, and in many ways they probably don't have the same level. Of um, smarts in them as as the very sort of latest or autonomous vehicles, and the comment uh, that that well what what had come through and the uh, uh, the coverage of it that I saw indicated that this was due to a Wi-Fi uh, connectivity issue. So it's suggesting <laughs> that actually this truck is not autonomous on its own, but it requires outside communications, you know, maybe to tell it where other vehicles are and what to do. Uh, and that it kept going regardless of connectivity. I mean, it's it's a little bit head scratching, right? You you would you would expect any autonomous vehicle to have the smarts to check what's around it, certainly to be able to see another another vehicle, um, and to operate on its own regardless of whether you know the, it's got a it's got a connection to the outside world, be it internet or or local wireless network. <laughs> we had to laugh. When we heard this because. You know, anyone who knows the condition of, of any connectivity in Australia, you'd be struggling to get that kind of connectivity in, in Sydney, let alone in Western Australia in the desert. Yeah. But I'm sure that's, you know, there'd be a lot of things in place here, but certainly, yeah, there's, there's obviously work to be done. Um, but a bit, a bit of a journey uh, on the on the flip side. Apparently, the uh, uh, the, the the trucks for um, um, their um, you know from from this uh, entity that provided them um, have safely travelled. It said twenty four point seven million kilometres. So um, you know, I, I guess when you, you know when you look at it that way. Uh, it it probably falls into that same sort of you know category that we've you know we've discussed before of well that's uh, that sounds like it's a whole lot uh, a whole lot safer than what you know most most individual human uh, human driving is so you know even with this connectivity issue and and shortcoming and maybe they had you know multi fallback systems that that had also failed on this occasion um, if those numbers are numbers are correct. You can say, well, hey, with with that sort of stat, actually, that's um, um, that's not bad. But it, it certainly, I think, has left a whole lot of people sort of scratching their heads uh, as to how these things would be allowed uh, to operate when you know, if if having a Wi-Fi outage results in a uh, in a crash. But uh, you know, the the oh, I suppose and there must be some human presence still at the mine. Otherwise, we'd never hear about the story because, you know, they wouldn't want to promote these type of stories, you know, the actual owners of these mines. But, you know, certainly this is the future, isn't it? And even if you look at the photo and the story, there's not a person for miles to be seen. So, of course, it's Mm. going to be safe, which is, 
you know, there's been so many accidents in mines. Even when I used to live in Australia, mm. we'd get up to Cupertini and mining for a bit of opal and <laughs> you take your life in your hands. Mm. You know, mm. it's just the nature of the business. So, you know, it does make sense to take those dangers, you know, to human beings out of the, out of the mix. But uh, yeah, they've got to get that technology sorted. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other other thing that's uh, that's caught my eye uh, as well in the last few days uh, is a story about um, OpenAI and and um, you know this is a um, you know organisation uh, that uh, you know uh, you know a number of people in, involved in uh, in setting it up, including uh, Elon Musk originally. Um, and the, the you know the the idea of it was uh, you know around developing um, artificial intelligence models to uh, you know bene- benefit mankind. Now this uh, this this seems like a a reasonably uh, uh, noble. Um, yeah, a no, noble thing to be uh, to be to be doing, but uh, as we've as we've heard in reports, they um, they came up with uh, with technology that could uh, you know basically generate written uh, content uh, that was was too good, and that if it got um, you know if it, it got into the wrong hands, then uh, we would see. Yeah, huge amounts of uh, uh, fake news being uh, being generated. Legitimate fake news. Well, uh, well, <laughs> that's really fake. Totally, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally fake news. You, yeah, you, you're right. So you know, people can just set it, and 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 there was, you know, there was an example, uh, and you, you know, you can you can uh, uh, you know look and uh, and and read read these things on. Uh, you know, online, and you know they 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 come ac- they come across as uh, uh, as very very good and uh, you know well written uh, pieces of of economy of uh, of of content. So yeah, that's um, you know I guess you know one of the realities we will have to get uh, used to, and it might have it might be that we you know in the same way we see spam today and we see spam filters that are looking for it. Uh, that you know, Google and other entities are going to have to have, uh, you know, tools that are basically out searching for AI, you know, AI generated fake news and illegitimate content. So that we need AI systems. You know, that that's the immediate solution that jumps to mind for me because, uh, you know, yes, we we we're being told that uh, OpenAI is as you know as an as a not for profit. Uh, artificial intelligence research entity is going to, uh, you know, has decided they're not going to release uh, this technology because it's, it's negative effects. Well, you know, I think you can be sure if they've been able to come up with this, then uh, other organisations with uh, more nefarious intent will it at some point develop something that's uh, you know down a down a very similar uh, track, and so. Uh, yeah, all, all, all sorts of uh, dodgy computer-generated uh, content will come at us and try and manipulate us, and so on. And you know, you you can imagine uh, it coming up in all sorts of areas. You know, uh, well, spam, for instance. You know, sales emails, all sorts of 
you know, basically if we, we look at the bots that we have today that you can chat to that are, you know, fairly rudimentary chat bots, you can imagine applying, you know, this sort of technology into conversation. And I know there's been a whole whole chunk of work being done around, you know, uh, this really, you know, com- conversational um, artificial in- intelligence. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have situations, you know, as, we, as we're already seeing from Google and in, in that voice sense where, uh, you know, a bot can make a call for you to book your hairdresser's appointment and, and whatnot, uh, that these things are really going to infiltrate and whether it's an email or a phone call, uh, if there's not a, a you know physical person standing there, you're not necessarily going to know whether know. You, you know and and trust uh, what that content is, uh, you know as well as obviously just you know written news articles online, other than you know looking at who is the publisher, is this a publisher we trust. And I'm sure we will we will see things that are infiltrating uh, even well-known publishers uh, from time to time, right? There'll be you know somebody that that gets a little bit lazy and it's like oh, I've got, I don't have time to do this. Not feeling very well. I know I'm really expected to, so they'll fire off a bit of content at an AI. It'll generate an article. They'll have a quick look over it, maybe slightly personalise it. Uh, and publish it, and you know, they, they individuals could sort of get get sucked in there as well. So um, yeah, it's it's a little bit hard to know how some of we, these we things really are going to pan out. We really can't compete with this stuff, can we? It's just you know. Well, we should be using it in the right way, I think, you know, to to augment and assist us. And, and even that sort of example of somebody using it to help them write an article is, you know, as as long as all the inputs are okay and and they do they do check it and the the whatever it is that's do, doing the thinking for them is a legitimate and safe or certified whatever that that looks like. One, you you know, you can imagine that. Um, you know that that might well actually be a you know a smart and a and a good approach for for getting the job done, but it won't necessarily always be that way. Um, so yeah. Uh, now, so the other thing we have coming up uh, this week, and uh, you know, hoping to uh, to uh, get some time looking at this ahead of the uh, the official sort of global unveiling. Uh, is Samsung's Galaxy S10. Lots of the detail about it already leaked on online. Uh, it just seems to be uh, par for the course these days. There's, uh, you know, there's there's not too much that's uh, particularly uh, secret around these new tech launches. There's maybe some interesting accessories uh, coming there as well. But we'll certainly be uh, updating on that one. Uh, now, before we jump into the uh, the chat on the uh, unbundling of our uh, fibre network in New Zealand, which you know, I guess uh, to uh, uh, to some degree, we've got uh, Crown Infrastructure Partners to uh, to uh, thank for uh, you know the way in which they designed the ultra fast broadband uh, um, was, and you know maybe this also came from uh, from the government as well, um, but. Um, you know, it seems to be a, that it was designed in such a way uh, that there was going to be this opportunity coming up from uh, from January 2020, uh, where the fibre uh, that's been rolled out as part of the uh, the ultra fast broadband initiative uh, could be utilised. 
by other parties other than the the local fibre companies or, or, or chorus in terms of uh, delivering service at a uh, at a wholesale level. So I mean, there were obviously were, were rules put in place that said chorus can't sell you know a retail uh, product, but there is room for there to be competition at that wholesale level. And this is very much what uh, you know, Vodafone and uh, and Vocus will. Um, well, they they say they're going to be doing, and obviously they've given that a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, a demo uh, trial. But it, it's really uh, anyone's guess at this stage uh, when and 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 uh, yeah, when when they will actually be able to go ahead and and offer this, and whether the final numbers will uh, will add up. But it's uh, it's certainly an interesting one to uh, to to delve into. Uh, but before we do that, the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, we're moving to a new model. Uh, we're hoping to move to a new model with our uh, podcasts on the Podcast New Zealand Network uh, and also uh, with our worldpodcast.com network. So that in- includes the New Zealand Tech Podcast. And you know, I guess it, you know it, it's fair to say with most of these, uh, uh, most of the, the shows such as New Zealand Tech Podcast that we publish, uh, there's a huge amount of time that goes into uh, goes into producing them. And for you know, for the mo- for the most part, uh, there is um, uh, a fair number of overheads that go into producing those shows. Uh, but we do. We do we do love producing them. Um, hosts such as myself and enjoy the interaction that we have with uh, with listeners, with suggestions on on guests to have on the show, uh, suggestions on content, uh, and those that participate when we do competitions and 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 so on. So um, what we what we're aiming to do going forward is uh, utilize a platform called uh, Patreon that uh, allows listeners to say, "Hey, actually, I really enjoy your show. I would uh, I'd love to support." it in uh, in some way and we'll be looking at how we can really engage more with those who who support the individual um, shows so if you're interested in that we will have um, have information up on up online um, shortly at uh, nztechpodcast.com slash support so if you you know if you're keen to support the show become a, a, a deeper part of the community uh, for those that are uh, supporting the show there will certainly be some uh, uh, some in- extra interaction and 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 some benefits uh, there and uh, you know we'll be we'll be hoping to draw more on uh, on those dedicated uh, listeners to uh, you know, to help us make the uh, the shows such as New Zealand Tech Podcast better and better, uh, and we're also uh, hoping to uh, to have the support of. Uh, certainly with the New Zealand Tech Podcast of the tech industry in New Zealand. So we'll be opening up some um, some sponsorship tiers there for organisations who would love to see their, uh, their logo uh, on our website, in our videos, and to, uh, to get some mention. Now, I want to be clear on, on how we operate with our podcasts. Um, Yes, if somebody flies me to an event on the other side of the world, uh, or you know, does something like that, uh, so Samsung or Apple uh, give me hands on their latest device. Yes, we're generally going to talk about that in that case if they've uh, made that effort to do so. Uh, for our sponsors uh, or anyone that contributes on that basis, what we won't do is produce advertorial for them. So if we get given a product or if someone comes involved in the show in some way, uh, yes, we're going to want to 
talk about what uh, what they're doing because generally that means they're going to give us access to the latest information on their technology. Uh, but always we will. Uh, you know, we we will challenge them if we if we find shortcomings that we think it's appropriate to uh, challenge them on. And look, if they consequently they're doing good stuff, uh, which tends to be mostly what we fo- we focus on on the show is all the the cool stuff companies are doing. Uh, then we'll highlight that stuff too. But I do want to make that commitment to uh, to our listeners that. Uh, yes, there is a there is a place for uh, commercial support uh, for our shows, and uh, you know n- a number of bands have already uh, mentioned that they would uh, they would love to see uh, uh, see their brand associated with the the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Um, and we're you know we're seeing the same with the New Zealand Electric Vehicle uh, podcast and and some of the other shows as as well. Uh, but that will be on a, on a fair and appropriate basis. And look, we, we would encourage our listeners if you, if you think that we're out of balance on something or uh, you know skewed in our opinions and you've got differing opinions, please get in touch. Uh, and in fact, on on that on that basis, uh, we have a special episode uh, also coming uh, online shortly with with one of our listeners. Uh, Robert Collins, uh, who listens in regularly actually to New Zealand Tech Podcast and the New Zealand Electric Vehicle Podcast. Those are sort of two uh, two favourite shows. Uh, I bumped into, I met him uh, initially on a on a um, on a flight uh, some years ago, and um, some opinions he was sharing were uh, were a little bit at odds with mine. I thought, hey, he's got some interesting opinions. So uh, um, so we've got a, a, an episode coming up with uh, with, with Robert. But um, yeah, I just want to make that commitment anyway to listeners. And would love it if you uh, uh, you've been listening for a long time. Then we'd love you to come on board and support, even if it's uh, if it's just a, a very uh, a very small uh, commitment on a, on a monthly basis. That would uh, that would be absolutely uh, awesome uh, to see that support. And uh, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, we, we're, we're able to do uh, a bunch more with the show going forward with that extra support in terms of getting to events and maybe buying a, a, a few more uh, products that we'd like to review that aren't necessarily being uh, uh, sent to us by, uh, uh, you know, by, by brands that are maybe uh, not, not such big brands and can't afford to just uh, uh, forward us a, a review device or, uh, or product. All right, well, that's enough on that. Without further ado, we'll uh, jump into uh, jump into the interview here today with uh, with Mark Callender, uh, chief executive at uh, at Vocus, and uh, Jason Paris, who's uh, recently new on the job as uh, chief executive of Vodafone New Zealand. So uh, nice to chat, gents. Welcome, kia ora. Now, so who wants to run me, run me through what what today's uh, announcement is? Is that you, Mark? Yeah, sure. So uh, following kind of an announcement last year that we were forming a partnership to unbundle fibre in New Zealand, uh, the big announcement we've got today is we've actually done it. So I recall at the time there were a few people that were a little bit sceptical or surprised about our announcement, but um, today we've proven that unbundling can occur and uh, the house we're in today has got uh, 10 gig speeds and we've demoed that through a VR uh, demonstration. So yeah, really excited to make it happen and we're now focused on when it's going to be a reality to roll out commercially. Yeah, look, it, it looked nice seeing some of those sort of speed test results on the screen north of, uh, I think it was, you know, faster than uh, 5 gigabits per second in each direction, maybe, uh, you know, downloads about 8 gigabits per second. Um, so it's it's certainly nice and uh, nice and snappy. Um, so what's the big what's the big driver for uh, for doing this? What's the what's what's the reason? There's obviously some commercial aspects that make make sense for you. So it's about significantly improving the customer experience. So whether that's from a speed, 
whether that's from a quality of service or whether it's um, our ability to customise specific services uh, home to home, business to business. It just gives us more flexibility. At the moment, you kind of got a one size uh, fits all vanilla type approach. And, um, and what we have seen uh, is that, you know, when uh, innovation uh, speeds up at a market, it's good for everyone. Um, especially customers and mm. so what you'll see is if we can start to scale this and make it available to more New Zealanders and their businesses uh, it'll be it'll be great for the industry and, and it'll be definitely great for our customers yeah I guess I mean it's fair to say our uh, our broadband here in New Zealand is, is doing pretty well can certainly can compare to uh, what's what's happening in Australia uh, and you know we, we're, we're expecting to see Faster speeds coming through from Chorus. I'm not, you know, not quite sure what's in the work from the other local uh, local fibre companies. So, how what sort of things will you do that will be unique in terms of those those offerings? Uh, you know, I guess that uh, you have a bit more flexibility around pricing as well when you've got your own equipment in the exchanges and and so on. Yeah, price is only one part of it. I think the the most important thing for us is control. So that's uh, control of the experience, but more importantly, control of traffic within the house. So again, taking scenarios where all houses aren't created equal and you all have one household that will be intently keen on gaming, and that might be virtual reality gaming in the future, versus uh, another household that might be running a small business or a, or a flooding situation. So what unbundling allows us to do is to actually control the traffic flows so we can make gaming the most important traffic for a certain household versus connecting to a VPN at a business in another. So speed is one aspect, price is another, but it's the control layer that will actually deliver the better customer outcomes. I think price works both ways. It's not only um, uh, the price that we can pass on to uh, customers, but also the price that we pay um, to the LFCs, and that's going to be a, a pretty big important um, a one to, to get some alignment on uh, as early as we can to make sure that that we can scale this quickly. You know, Vocus and Vodafone have committed to investing you know, tens of millions of dollars uh, to making this possible in New Zealand, but uh, it only makes sense if we can get a realistic business case that uh, works for us as well. So we're hoping um, to get greater transparency early uh, from the LFCs on what that pricing construct looks like. Um, we've looked internationally, you know, uh, presence over there, examples of 50% off the uh, the current input pricing would um, means that it's, it's possible for companies to uh, scale unbundling um, and then invest in innovation uh, around those types of services that Mark mentioned before. Right, and when's the uh, when's the the date that uh, the local fibre companies and chorus have to basically allow you to start offering these uh, these commercial services? And uh, you know, how are you going to what, what what needs to happen between now and then? Yeah, so the service has to be available from January 2020, so the clock is certainly ticking with that regard. Uh, the most important aspect, which Jason has talked about as well, is going to be the price for that service. So that uh, is intently what we're focused on. Uh, we want to get that pricing from the LFCs sooner rather than later, um, but at this stage it's likely to be towards the end of the year, um, and really that price will dictate the size and scale of the deployment and whether we have to take other steps to get the right outcome for our customers. Right, I mean, you, you could imagine that uh, that... That could be a challenge to get uh, to get the sort of pricing that you're talking about, that sort of fifty percent, uh, you know, discount on. Uh, well, discount's probably the wrong word, but fifty percent of what it costs for you to buy uh, uh, ultra fast broadband sort of connections today. 
What do, yeah. what, what, I mean, what are you seeing in terms of feedback, or you just you're not getting you don't get anything until you get close to that date? Yeah, stage? we haven't really had uh, a lot of feedback yet. So uh, the earlier we can get an indication, the better, so mm. we can start having those conversations as you say. Mm. So I'm, assu- I'm, mm. I'm assuming there's a, a bit of stuff that we'll have to uh, negotiate through. Yep. Um, but once we do get that price certainty, I think you can see already that innovation uh, is good. You know, mm. I think Chorus have announced that they're going to be uh, doing something after us. So a month later. So um, it's nice to be first, uh, but would that have happened if um, the Vocus and Vodafone partnership uh, had been created? I don't think so. So uh, I think it's a great thing that Chorus is doing it. It's a great thing that Vocus and Vodafone are doing it, and that has to be great for the industry. And so getting that price certainty will speed up innovation, which means it's a much better thing for the country. Mm. What, are, what are the challenges to get uh, deliver 10 gigabits speeds to people um, you know especially using using your your own equipment you need to get some pretty fast pipes into exchanges I guess you know that that's something you've constantly uh, uh, will need to be moving forward on I suppose it's not 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 something where uh, people's demands are standing still is it no absolutely and again it's as we've demonstrated today the we've got some really smart uh, technical people across both focus and Vodafone so we've leveraged a lot of the expertise that we've done in a copper world uh, we've translated that into a fiber world um, but it, you know the, the, the process itself isn't that hard it's just again making Making sure that we keep up the technologies in terms of what's going into the homes, the ons, the devices we're connecting to. But you know, you've you've seen a streaming example in the house today over ten gig. You've already you know spoken about our six, seven, eight, nine gig speeds, and uh, you know it's pretty exciting. Mm. And man, wouldn't it be great to stop talking about the technology and just talking about the services that it enables? So that's the thing I'm most excited about today is you know the use cases you've seen around. Uh, virtual reality, um, the ability to customise these services by home or by business, whether it's in education, whether it's in health, whether it's in, in gaming. But there's a bunch of stuff that we don't even know yet um, that uh, gets created through providing the market with better speeds, more control. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's pretty exciting too. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because... Um Often we don't, you know, we, we can't figure out or know exactly what those things are until you've actually got the headroom to start playing around and and, and experimenting with the uh, with the technology, right? Well, so we're, we're, yeah, we talk about innovation a lot. We we're a fundamental part of the ecosystem, right? So we're a we're an enabler of the new things you'll see come into market. Virtual reality is a great example. Again, examples that uh, don't seem that unrealistic is going to a concert that's sold out in your living room, or going to an All Blacks game that's sold out in your living room. Right, taking in the stadia experience, the noise, the crowd, being able to walk on the sideline. No, that doesn't seem insurmountable and seems pretty close from our perspective. Now, in in terms of you know work, working together, what what else is there going to be? This isn't you know there, there must be a little bit more to uh, to this than um, um, just this offering. There must be some behind the scenes things. Are you? No, you we think this is pretty to, big. You know, are you, uh, you know, are you going to be sort of sharing infrastructure to you know connect to exchanges and things like that? Uh, you know, what are, what other changes are going on to facilitate this? So there's lots going on in terms of making this work and absolutely getting the most efficient use of our capital is what we're both focused on. Mm, mm. Uh, but it's, it's within the confounds of unbundling fibre, so we'll mm. be making sure that we are deploying capital and getting the best return for our shareholders and outcomes for our customers. Um, again, we have a, we've, we've had a long partnership. We, you know, we, we use each other's networks today, for example, for diversity, so we're, we, we work together today and we compete fiercely today, and that will, that will continue. So. 
Yep, yep. Okay. I think the cool thing about Vocus and Vodafone is that there's a kind of a DNA of Challenger brand yeah. uh, to both of our companies as well. And so when uh, our teams get together around something like this, which has a huge benefit to New Zealand, you know, you can pull your resources and it's not hard to get your, your technical teams and your engineers excited about um, what the possibilities are here. So mm. we're just kind of in the starting blocks, ready to ready to get going. Yep. It's, it's quite amazing when you, again, you talk about your technical teams, as busy as they are, as soon as you say, please get involved in unbundling a 10 gig service. <laughs> You know, their eyes light up and their workload disappears. So it's that's it's pretty exciting. Yep. And um, are you uh, are you both uh, involved in the chorus ten gig offering as well? Is that something you'll be uh, you've signed up to be a, be a part of? We will be. Yep. 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 So uh, we'll we'll have a look at it. And yeah. Absolutely. We're doing involved. So. Yep. Yep. And um, Jason, for you, you know, I, I guess there's some. Um, you know, moving to these faster speeds as in comparisons to what's happening in the mobile um, space. Five G front. Now you've got a bit of spectrum there. You could be, uh, you know, doing something with that. I know it's. Uh, you might not uh, necessarily have it for a, a, a long, long period. Um, something happening on the five G front from uh, Vodafone that we'll hear hear about a bit more about shortly. Well, I'm excited by five G uh, from an industry perspective. That I. Um, the thing for me is, you know these are significant investments that you have to make and uh, do you think that the market is prepared to uh, see the value where we invest uh, create new services that the market is prepared to pay a fair price for and um, if I talk to most New Zealanders at the moment and tell them hey I'm going to launch 5G tomorrow would you pay an extra $5 a month for it they say no so I think the industry's got a bit of work to do to create the use cases that demonstrate the value that can justify the prices for us to be able to uh, for us to be able to invest. Sure, there are, there are niche use cases. You know, I know Sparks talked quite a lot about um, America's Cup. It's Auckland and the Viaduct. Mm, you know, mm. so um, we're, we're, I'm more interested in 5G at scale and what and what and what that will do. There's definitely some industry benefits in terms of cost efficiencies. It's a much it's a much more cost effective, effective mm. network for us mm. to for us to manage, which is great. But um, you know, I think uh, 2022 is um, is when the the real deal 5G spectrum becomes available, and mm. the government's decided not that at this point they're not going to bring that forward. So that's the time frame we're working to working towards. So we'll definitely continue to be uh, a mobile leader in uh, in New Zealand. Mm. But uh, um, uh, how that plays out over the next couple of years, we'll, we'll still have to see. You, you see some similarities between you know five G on the mobile front and then going you know offering ten gigabit uh, you know to consumers and small businesses. That sort of seems to be a similar discussion. You know, there's a, a small incremental cost for people to get that extra speed. I would imagine you know at this stage is probably the same thing. You ask people, would you pay a little bit more for uh, that sort of speed? They don't have the gear that can take advantage of it. Most people would probably say no to that as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, I don't know. We have to work through what the uh, what the commercial model looks like. I think again, the uh, the the answer for both unbundling and five G is the same. It's not the technology; it's the service layer over top of it. And so, you know, the things that we're talking about is what are the real life use cases that significantly change a business outcome or your home environment that you're prepared to pay for mm. that we can invest in. Uh, so that's that's that would be our focus from an unbundling perspective, not just the physical unbundling act but also yeah. the services and that's where you'll get competition as well you know Vocus and Vodafone are 
are uh, investing to make sure unbundling happens and as Mark said before then you compete the innovation layer and the service layer which I think is good is good for the industry as well yeah and I guess there's some timing aspects to these as well you mentioned the 2022 uh, you know date as far as spectrum and obviously unbundling uh, but you know becoming available at the beginning of uh, 2020 that's um, yeah that's probably a, a key date if you're going to do it you may as well get uh, get rolling to do it from the beginning yep correct yeah, yeah. Anything else that we've we've missed that we haven't uh, covered that's that's important? No, not at all. I say just really excited with uh, you know launching this today. Um, we really look forward to getting prices back from the LFCs as soon as possible, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to the next update with you shortly. All right, and we'll look look forward to hearing a bit of the you know behind the scenes uh, technical things because. I guess you know most most people's home networks aren't quite uh, ready to have uh, you know 10, 10 gigabits. Won't be able to take advantage. So I, I guess there's some you know some bits and pieces that'll need to uh, happen there as, as well. Uh, um, on that on that front, are you expecting that um, in terms of uh, equipment that goes you know in someone's premises? So we have our chorus ants today, for instance, within chorus areas and and similar you know for uh, Northland and other areas around the country. Um, you'll put in your own your own bit of kit effectively. Um, that would also include sort of switch and uh, Wi-Fi and the and the like. That's what we would sort of expect with this. Yes, yeah, so a couple of points. So I suppose that the first point is this isn't just about ten gig. So we will obviously sure. deploy speeds at a lower level to cater for a range of different segments and and budgets. So uh, the control aspect is still important, whether it's a one hundred meg service or a one gig service. Uh, so we both have you know large customer bases that will be able to benefit from that. Um, so uh, in terms of the go forward again, it's it's down to the LFCs, right? There is already an ont sitting on the wall. Uh, there's a second port there that's run bundlers. Um, Logic would assume that that seems like a pretty uh, pretty good place for us to start, but uh, the, again, the LFCs have to come to us with the, the terms of the offer, what we can get access to, but we're absolutely prepared to put equipment uh, in the various cabinets and we'll put nuance on the walls if that's what we have to do to deliver the services to our customers. Okay, well, I'll look, look forward to uh, seeing how it progresses. Thank Cheers. You. All right, thanks, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, as I said earlier, we'll probably be diving in uh, a bit more to this discussion around unbundling of the uh, the fibre network in New Zealand uh, again in the future. And you know, of course, just from a, a transparency perspective, I do do uh, um, or Gorilla does do uh, some work with uh, uh, Crown Infrastructure Partners, who are uh, part of this picture, uh, and varying uh, relationships uh, also with uh, with Vodafone and uh, Vocus. Uh, I guess it's it's pretty hard as a as a tech firm not not to be involved with a lot of the companies in the tech world uh, in in New Zealand. Uh, that's uh, I guess the the reality. Thanks for listening in, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again uh, very soon on the next episode. And if you are a regular listener to the New Zealand Tech Podcast and you enjoy listening and you'd like to support the show, then please jump across to nztechpodcast.com uh, slash support. Uh, that'd be absolutely fan- fantastic. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you soon. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.